Well, welcome to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm the Roseville campus pastor here at Calvary Church, and I'm joined uh, today by uh, Ben Tyvel, our engagement pastor, and Emma Larson, who is our interim junior high director. Emma, it's good to have you on today. Thank you. Maybe share a little bit more with our listeners about what you do here at Calvary, and you get to hang with a pretty fun group of people. Yes, I... I have the pleasure of working with our most rowdy, most energetic, most fun group of teenagers here at Calvary. Um, Whenever I talk about what I do for work and talk about junior high students, people say like, oh, bless you for that. I did not like my junior high self, but I love junior high. Um, I think that there's just such opportunity for really starting to own your faith as a teenager, um, just going through a whole bunch of different growth opportunities and challenges. And I love being a part of that through planning Sunday and Wednesday night programming and then finding a whole bunch of volunteers who love junior high kids. So it's a great position to be in. What would you say is your craziest junior high story, either from your own experience or maybe in your time in ministry? I think that just the things that come out of kids' mouths is my favorite. I have friends who ask, like, Emma, what's what What have your kids been saying lately? And I think probably my, my favorite right now is yesterday, one of my, my eighth grade boys asked me if if I would give him a dollar if he tap danced after a small group time on Sunday morning. So I think that's my top right now. It's just like the things that they come up with. One whole dollar too. Did you, did it happen then? Like, did he, no, tap, he I, did he tap dance? He's like, buddy, like I don't have a dollar, but oh. I will find a dollar for yeah. you. If that means like, that you will le- tap dance. Was it legit tap dance or he was just... Like trying to come up with something off the wall. I think he wanted to go get a donut. Yeah. So he needed a dollar and he was <laughs> going to do... He was desperate. <laughs> he was desperate for a donut. Like what, what can I tell her Yeah, that I'll do that's unique? Worthy and, of a dollar. Worthy of a dollar. <laughs> Tap dancing. Yeah, I wish I had cash on me at that point because I would have given him a dollar. I uh, don't like donuts that much where I would tap dance for one. Really? <laughs> you might have when you were 13, Maybe though. when I was 13. Maybe. Well, and Ben, you pretty much have your own junior high ministry at your house, right? I do. Yeah, With I've six got kids. several teenagers uh, and kind of in, in that camp. So, mm-hmm. so appreciate you, your ministry, your passion for that age. Uh, I would agree that it is one of the most uh, you know unique and influ- influential times mm-hmm. for for kids and it can go both ways, right? I mean, junior high is, is a tough time of finding, finding out who you are, finding mm-hmm. your, you know, that, that social group that some come in to uh, that time of their life with, with solid relationships, but a lot of kids are, are trying to find that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just socially a, a really important de- developmental time, but, you know, again, brains are, uh, you know, are, are are coming into their own, trying to figure out, you know, who who they are, um, you know, as people, but certainly then as their faith as well. They're mm-hmm. they're figuring out who God is. So, mm-hmm. thanks for what you do. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. You have a a, par- a passion for those with special needs. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share just a little bit more of your story about how you became passionate about this area of special needs ministry. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we'll begin to talk about ways that we can engage in this particular area as well. Yeah, so my my passion for special needs kicks off right about when my twin sister and I were two months old, um, and we were two months old, and our older brother, Alec, who's right around two and a half years older than us, when he was first diagnosed with autism, when we were living in the suburbs of Chicago, my dad was working for Best Buy at that point, and that's where they had us located. My parents grew up in kind of the southwestern part of Wisconsin, so we were in the Chicago suburbs, hundreds of miles away from family, and we were dealing with a new autism diagnosis. Um, So this is part of my story that I don't really remember that I had to ask my mom about, but I was asking her of what was it like for our family to engage with church with a new autism diagnosis. At that point, autism was just kind of an up-and-coming diagnosis that. Um, People were finally doing research about, and so I asked my mom, what was that like dropping my brother Alec off at Sunday school? And she said that our church was very supportive of our family, that um, my mom is a special ed teacher, so she um, is very attuned to what other people need to know about Alec Mm -hmm. and how to explain his disability, but... um, my parents would drop off Alec in his Sunday school and say, this is Alec. He is nonverbal. Um, he'll probably just play by himself. That's okay. Um, just keep an extra eye on him and um, probably shouldn't have any issues with Alec as a three-year-old. Um, but Alec changed some policies at our church in Chicagoland when he snuck out of his classroom as sometimes little boys do, and especially kids who have autism who have a tendency to wander. Um, My mom said that our church did not have much of a pickup policy, so when service was over, they just kind of opened the doors to the Sunday school classrooms, and Alec made his way out and made it out into the parking lot in January. Wow. So some kind family scooped him up and my mom was wandering around church holding two little babies wondering where on earth is Alec. Um, So some family brought him in and brought him back to my parents and then our church had a new policy about um, name tags and closing doors and picking up children. Um, But otherwise we had a really good experience with a new diagnosis um, when we lived in Chicago. Then when we moved to Chaska in June of 2001, we were looking for a new church to go to, which was really hard for my family because we loved our church so much in the Chicago area. Um, My mom started calling around to churches in the area to ask, do you have anything for kids who have special needs? Do you have any sort of program? Um, do you even know what I'm talking about? And most pastors said, uh, we don't do that, or I'm not really sure what you're asking about. So for the first couple of years that we were in Chaska, my dad would stay home with my brother, and then my mom would take my sister and me to church. And then one of our 
family friends, Jerry and Alan, who have kind of taken on the role of honorary grandparents to us, told us that they were starting to hear about the special needs ministry at their church. So end of kindergarten, we started going to Westwood out in Chanhassen, and that was the first time since we were, since Megan and I were babies that we got to go to church as a family. And I just remember that day of walking into church and being all excited to show my brother around. And I remember going to Culver's with my family afterwards. Um, How old were you guys at this point, Emma? I could jump in. Uh, we were just finishing kindergarten. So it took okay. us a couple of years to find a church that had what we were looking for, which was an opportunity for Alec to get to go to church and be involved with kids ministry. Um, so just being Alec's little sister has definitely changed my life and changed the way that I see other people of seeing mm. of like, I want you to be involved in the church. I want you to know about Jesus. Um, so I think that's that's really where my passion started is wanting to go to church with my family. What would you say are some of the things that you would want other people within the church to know about um, those who have special needs or mm. you know maybe have a sibling who has special needs? Mm. What would you want other people to know? I think that one of the, the hardest parts about having a sibling who has significant needs is that it's very isolating. I have met only a couple of other families and people my age who have even remotely close to an idea of what it would be like to have a sibling who has pretty significant needs. My brother lives in a group home, so just adding okay. that on of what that's like. Um, my sister and I are part of my brother's guardianship case. Um, since we we're 15, we have been um, part of Alex's guardianship. Um, so just... And what is that for those who don't know? Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's our jargon that I realized that not everybody realizes um, what it is. So guardianship is um, when someone has a guardian, it means that they um, essentially don't have rights. It sounds awful, but that's essentially what it is. So um, my brother's not able to have a bank account that is in his name. He's not able mm. to sign discharge papers at a hospital. He can't have a lease in his name. So all of that falls under my parents. They have to sign off on all of that. So my parents serve me papers every year that um, they are his legal guardians. Um, so uh, that's okay. another part of my story is that I've been very involved with my brother's care. So um, it's isolating and that people have no idea what that's like, mm. um, that someday my sister and I will be taking care of my brother and making decisions for his care and his well-being. Um, and with our talk about unreached people groups, I don't think it's well known that people who have special needs are an unreached people group. Some research that I found is that only about five to 10% of the world's population of people who have special needs are reached by the gospel. Mm. And it's not that um, people with special needs or their families are opposed to church or the things of God. It's just that we don't see church as accessible 
as accessible. We don't always feel like we are welcomed. Um, what are some of the barriers that you feel like churches tend to put up? Maybe, I mean, certainly not intentionally. In my ho- I mean, my hope it was so it wouldn't be intentionally. What are some of those right. barriers that you typically see? I think of some of my own students that I've served over the years that have autism or sensory processing issues and just the like the volume that we have things at is so deafening and hard to be a part of that I've started carrying around earplugs for I have a couple of students that once we do worship at uh, retreats are like I'm aware of those earplugs like mm. I this is painful so that just not being in an environment where it's not painful to be a part of that's not accessible um, and I think also some of just how programming and ministries are set up of um, most parents who have kids who have significant needs are just going to drop them off in a Sunday school class without some kind of warning or education mm-hmm. of um, like, what is epilepsy? What does a seizure look like? Mm-hmm. How do you work with like a feeding tube or a G tube um, that parents aren't going to just drop off their children who have needs like that unless they know that someone's going to be able to take care of them or mm-hmm. someone has some idea of what a seizure looks like. What are some resources that you've found helpful that have given you uh, maybe a biblical and theological perspective around special needs ministry? Are there some tools and resources that you would recommend as a first starting point for people? I really like Johnny and Friends. They are an international ministry serving people and families who have special needs. So just... Um, Kind of the framework that they have of Luke 14 is their um, kind of theme passage that they talk a lot about of Jesus really going after um, people who have, um, in the case of that passage, who have physical needs. And I'm really drawn to just the parable of Jesus pursuing the one over the 99 Um I think that that's just a beautiful way of framing that Jesus cares about people like my brother too, that mm. um, we know that God loves when we worship him with um, big groups of people, when big groups of people are involved with um, discipleship and with ministries. But I think that there's just, this really shows off God's heart for being able to serve the one that doesn't fit in so well with the others. Why don't you read that passage for us? I think it is so fitting, as you mentioned, especially for this particular topic. Yeah, so this is Matthew 18. Start with verse 10. So see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that they're angels in heaven. Always see the face of my Father in heaven. So what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to the one that wandered off? Hmm. And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. 
In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Ben, in your uh, pastoral ministry, um, have you what experiences have you had when it comes to ministering to those with special needs, and what are some insights that you've found over your you know number of years in, in ministering to people? Yeah, well, I would. You know, Emma, like you were saying, some of the experience that you had, that your family had, uh, just as far as, uh, you know, when you moved to a new area and you were looking for a church, like, is is there a church around that mm-hmm. that has ministry or that, you know, ha- has a, a Sunday morning space or, you know, just, again, ministry in general that in some way is geared toward uh, folks with special needs? Mm-hmm. And I and, and you, you struggled to find that. Mm-hmm. And, um, Dr. My experience with this is, is pretty minimal. I mean, in the church, I, before working here at Calvary, I, I worked in mental health and, um, so not necessarily in, in that specific arena with, uh, with kids with special needs, but certainly I, I did end up, uh, connecting with and, and serving, you know, kids with, uh, depression, anxiety, and, um, you know, also other kinds of uh, needs that sometimes come along with um, with, with uh, struggles in that area. And um, I think what I've found is that, you know, just it, I think education on one hand, like just mm-hmm. sometimes there's a, there's a stigma, certainly around mental health, I mm-hmm. would think around special needs yeah. as well. Certainly, you know, with kids with, uh, you mentioned autism, that's what your brother uh, has right, mm-hmm. or that's what he wrestles with, and I, so I think a lot of times it's just learning a little bit about what what does it mean to have autism, what does that look like, mm-hmm. how do we move past some of the the stigma around that to then be able to just embrace and interact with, and and then I think ultimately not not just create programs, but you know help our help our folks be able to meet these families, meet these individuals where, where they are at Mm -hmm. because they are uh, children of God, because they are uh, people who deserve to hear the gospel and certainly also not, not just to hear the gospel, but to be discipled, you know, so what, what does that look like? And I, I wish I had more, um, yeah, I wish I had, more around that as far as my own experience. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm here just kind of listening, taking it in, uh, hearing from your story. And I think I have uh, certainly a ways to go just in my own understanding of this. Every kind of ministry we do is cross-cultural ministry because anytime you enter into someone else's life, you're entering into a, a different cultural background, no matter how similar it is to your own. And I think that always requires you to get to know that other person. It always requires you to do a little bit of a little bit of homework to understand where that other person is coming from. Mm-hmm. And both of you have mentioned something uh, really important. Um, ben, you just mentioned education, um, educating ourselves about this important topic. And Emma, you mentioned something earlier, uh, this uh, theme of isolation, mm-hmm. um, that it can feel very isolating, probably for the person that has special needs, but also the family and, and friends around them. Mm-hmm. How, how, how can we begin to eliminate some of those barriers 
so that we minimize that isolating feeling? I think that a lot of it is just um, wanting people to hear stories of being a, being willing to listen. Hmm. Um, I think that one of the most impactful times for me when I realized if I could share my story and that people were willing to listen was that my my youth group small group leader in ninth grade she was driving me home from something and we got talking and she's like so what's really hard about being Alex's sister Hmm. and I was like I don't think I've ever been asked that and uh, later in high school we um Alec had some health um, issues that were really a struggle for our family. And I knew that talking to my small group and then talking to my small group leader were my safe places that my, when we were kind of talking about the week, my small group leader would say, do you have anything that you want to share about Alec? And I knew that that was my safe place that they, that she was giving me, an opportunity to share. Um, and then my my middle school pastor, um, who continues to be a big part of my life, was one of my other safe people that she got to know our story. And uh, I sat and cried in her office many times about mm. the really hard stuff that Alec was dealing with and that our family was dealing with. And um, she just reminded me about the truths of who God is. Like Alec, um, he was in the ER with some, um, um, dealing with some side effects to a medication that were very concerning. And I was just crying of like, Diane, I, I don't, I like, there is nothing that I can do at this point. And she's like, Emma, you're right. There is nothing that you can do at this point, but we know that God is good and God is with us. Mm. Um, and that that's a moment that just sticks with me that um, Diane, my middle school pastor from growing up, continues to be a safe person that knows my story and then reminds me of who God is in those really tough moments. Um, so I think it's not when we're interacting with people of special needs and their families, it's not trying to make their situation better or Mm -hmm. trying to think that we understand all of it, but just it's the little things about reminding them about who God is Mm. that have those moments have stuck with me. I, I love that response. I, as you're um, talking about this, you know, in response to Tucker's question about like, what, you know, what can we do? What's, what is the next step? And I feel like there's so much wisdom in what you're saying as far as, just be willing to listen, mm-hmm. be willing to, mm-hmm. to, um, you know, invite us in is kind of what I'm hearing. Invite mm-hmm. us in and listen to our story, mm-hmm. maybe learn from us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you guys are the experts in the sense that you're, you're living out this, this story. Right. You're, you're living in the midst of this every day. And I think sometimes in ministry or just life in general, Tucker, this could go back to that question of where you were asking me, you know, what have, what have you learned over the years or what have you done? And I, I honestly, I think um, right in line with what you're saying, Emma, being willing to sit with folks and learn from them, mm-hmm. ask them how, 
not only how are you doing, how can we care for you, but would you be willing to help me better understand what it's not just what it's like to, um, you know, to, to, the, to live this out and, mm-hmm. and to experience the hardship and, you know, the ups and the downs, but could, would you help us as, as the church mm-hmm. better know how to bring, um, you know, the, the practical things like making ministry accessible, but, but just relation relationship. How, how do we do this? How do we do this mm-hmm. better? And I, I think again, so over the years, whether it's, um, you know, special needs or other kinds of life circumstance. I think the best people oftentimes, you know, to speak into uh, certain kinds of issues or, or how do we reach these folks or, you know, how do we minister to, to people who've been through a certain situation? It's the people who have gone through that, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So it's the, this happened and it wasn't good. We learned from that. Or mm-hmm. as you're saying, somebody moved in and they, they were just willing to listen and they asked me the questions and that was what was most impactful. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's that kind of thing. So I just, I appreciate that wisdom in, it, it seems so simple, but I think it, like you're saying, it is, it's powerful. And mm-hmm. I think probably the main ingredient for how it is that we would um, move forward to becoming a church community that would, um, would be better at this, that would be better at helping folks with special needs worship with us, mm-hmm. but then also to, you know, help evangelize, disciple mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think something that I want to add is that um, when dealing with families who have special needs, it's very possible that they won't know how to respond to um, if you see a practical need that you are trying to meet, that they might be a little, little like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to accept help. Like when my brother was first diagnosed, we had a couple of um, my dad's coworkers, their wives heard about our situation and mm-hmm. thought like, well, I can help. And my mom said that it took a little bit of humbling of like, I do need help. Mm-hmm. Like you're offering to clean my house. I'll take it. Mm. Like I could really use that. We had family friends that came and like folded our laundry. And that's like, who are are those people? (laughs) How do do I get in touch with them? (laughs) Are they still doing this? I'm just, yeah. That's what my mom needed when we were babies. But like, she said it took some time of realizing of like, these people are willing to help. And it's a little weird to have someone else fold your laundry, but like, that's what I need right now. Yeah. Um, So don't be offended if trying to reach out to a family of special needs and they're not quite sure Hmm. about you trying to meet a need or like trying to get to know them that they just maybe haven't encountered something like that before this is a trust component there there is some trust in there yes yes what would you say to the person that might be afraid to take a next step because they're worried they might say something wrong or or or, or say something um say something offensive or do something that is interpreted as a you know offensive so they're, they're they're worried to even take the next step i would say as a from my sibling perspective I've kind of heard it all of people asking questions and saying like, I don't really know how to ask this. And at that point I say, just ask. And I, if you want to know what the politically correct or the kind way to ask that, I will help you. Yeah. But 
just asking like just thinking right off the bat of like this is my question I'm not gonna try to package it nicely and just being able to learn of like like that's something that um, I would prefer if I had some trust in you that I would share because there are parts of my my family's story and my story that I don't tell to people that I've just met. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a healthy boundary. Um, So just learning of like, there's not always a perfect way to ask a question Mm -hmm. and that's, that's okay. And then Ben, what you're talking about with trust, that's a really big one that there are details that only some of my closest friends know about and, yeah. That's okay with me that I don't share the details of everything that's ever happened with my brother's life and care with everybody. Emma, it's been good to have you on today. We really appreciate you taking your time um, out of your busy schedule of working with uh, junior high students and, and coming on this morning to talk about this really important topic. And Ben, thanks for being on uh, today as well. It's been good to have you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. We would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you listen. It also helps if you leave us a review. You can also email us at podcast at calvarychurch.us if you have any questions about today's episode or if you have topics that you'd like us to address on future episodes. We would love to hear your ideas. We look forward to having you join us again next week.